What is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Monday, June 14th. And the preview series rolls on. Today we're going to talk about the Carolina Panthers. A really interesting team, obviously a team in transition. New coaching regime in place last year. Matt Rule. And of course, Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator. The young wonderkind. And really, I mean, hey, I liked what I saw last year, but there were a couple major problems. First and foremost, their most important offensive player only played three games in Christian McCaffrey. And secondly they were really held back at quarterback. Now, will they be held back at quarterback this year? That remains to be seen, but Teddy Bridgewater obviously is out. He's in Denver. We'll talk about that in a few shows here. But Sam Darnold's in. And, well, here's what we know about Sam Darnold. In his time with the Jets, did he uh, really follow through on being one of the top picks in his respected draft class a few years ago? I would say no. I don't think anybody out there would would argue that he he has justified that yet. He did have that brief stretch over the final uh, several games of his rookie season where he looked pretty good, but otherwise he's been lackluster at best. Now, a couple qualifiers. First and foremost, he was with the Jets. <laughs> so sorry, Jets fans. But we know it's it was a mess under Adam Gase. We also know he's quite young. You know, in fact, uh, Joe Brady did remark that that was one of the appealing things of Darnold. You have, it's not like you're trading for a guy in his 30s. You're trading for a guy who is still, he's not even 25 yet. And he already has three years in the NFL. So there's a, a wealth of experience there. Now, granted, the play wasn't amazing by any means, but there's a wealth of experience there that you simply wouldn't get had you, say, drafted a rookie you know, in the first round this year, which in theory they could have ultimately ended up with Justin Fields or Mac Jones for that matter. But we don't know what Darnold can be. And I don't want to write him off, but I also don't want to predict that he's going to completely revitalize his career. I think Darnold's one of those guys that in a super flex or a two quarterback league, I, I wouldn't hate as my number three. You know, my number three in those formats, if I'm going after... You know, my my approach, and if you're new to my approach to Jeff Ratcliffe as a whole, yes, I just called myself freaking Jeff Ratcliffe. <laughs> yes, I'm a ding-dong. Um, or to the rant, or to any of the stuff that I do. My approach is pretty simple. My two quarterbacks that I'm going to be starting most weeks, I want high floor, but not necessarily high ceiling guys. And I'm typically, I'm going to wait until about 10 quarterbacks have been drafted to draft my quarterbacks. However, with my third quarterback, I wait until at least 24 quarterbacks are off the board, and I want to shoot for a ceiling. Now, Darnold, I have ranked at 27. Could he outplay 27? Absolutely. Could he finish at 27, 28, 29? Absolutely. So I I am balancing out the fact that he doesn't exactly have the highest floor with the fact that he could have a high ceiling, especially in this offense. And, you know, well, let's not beat around the bush. They have Christian McCaffrey. You have a guy who is a modern-day Marshall Falk, a a guy who can carry the ball 250-plus times and catch the ball 100-plus times. It's unbelievable. Now, we also know, though, you have a guy in Christian McCaffrey who in 2019 barely came off the field and then was hurt twice, fairly significantly, both times in 2020. Right? He he comes storming out of the gate. He was awesome. Week one, week two, awesome. 
then comes back. Awesome. Hurt in the same game. So that's the one concern. But I will say that I don't ever want to play the the injury-prone game. I don't want to play the injury predictor game. I don't want to go out there and say, okay, well, he was banged up a bunch last year, therefore I'm going to overthink this and and not take him first overall. He is the number one overall fantasy option because he is the, he's a true, complete NFL running back who checks every box with the exception of he's not as big as Derrick Henry. But then again, who is it? Who is as big as Derrick Henry? Regardless, checks every darn box. He's amazing. And hopefully the selection of Chuba Hubbard means that he doesn't have to be out there 97% of the snaps. He's still going to be out there a whole freaking lot. (laughs) You know, it's going to be like 80%, which is still more than most running backs, 85%. But Chuba Hubbard hopefully helps the cause a little bit because Mike Davis is obviously out of the mix. We talked about him on the Atlanta uh, preview. So if you want to go back and listen to that, you can hear my thoughts there. Uh, beyond Chuba Hubbard, they don't really have much. Reggie Bonifon's still on this roster. They did bring in Trenton Cannon. They have Rodney Smith. But really, it comes down to Chuba Hubbard is really well positioned as the cuff here. And by the way, last year we saw how valuable Christian McCaffrey's handcuff can be. Mike Davis is not an outstanding player. He's not. He's a guy who, who doesn't even average four yards a carry over the course of his career. But there were good chunks of time where he was a legit RB1 in that offense because of the role. And Chuba Hubbard, I mean, Chuba's got some juice to him, man. There there was an outside shot I thought he, you know, I thought he had a chance at being uh, you know, dark horse starter somewhere. You know, depth chart tells you everything though, like you're drafted on this depth chart, you're going to be the backup, but he's got some juice. So there is some value to Chuba Hubbard. This year, I've said it many times, I don't particularly love handcuffing in drafts because invariably what, you know, most most of the time happens is you end up dropping said handcuff in like week four or week five. The time of the year where handcuffs are often most valuable is down the stretch. I realize players can get hurt at any point, but, you know, maybe just maybe this is an exception where if you aren't entirely comfortable with Christian McCaffrey, based on last year, that you do cuff him up. You you do make sure you grab Chuba Hubbard. Otherwise, McCaffrey's the number one guy. I have, Chuba Hubbard projects out at 65th, but he's got more implied value than actual value because of his handcuff uh, potential. Anyway, let's talk about the wide receivers, but before I get into that, I'm going to do a quick break. All right, and we are back. Uh, The wide receiver position here, a very interesting one. Interesting indeed. Curtis Samuel is gone. Uh, He is in Washington. So that leaves you, of course, you have DJ Moore there. You have Robbie Anderson. And I think they got a steal with Terrace Marshall in the second round. They also brought in David Moore, like a a really quality depth player in in the NFL. Not um not a guy for fantasy purposes, but all around there's some decent weapons here for Sam Darnold. If I had to choose one, it is definitely DJ Moore. DJ Moore is one of those players who I I feel like he's ranked higher than he projects out. And I get why that is. So he's projecting out at 20 for me. And I've seen him, you know, by some of my my fellow rankers in the industry as high as like 
13, 14. I think mid-teens is fair for him, 16, 17, something like that. And the reason for that, I've talked about this many times when it comes to projections. Projections are averages. You take a, a wide set of expected outcomes, you average them out, that's the projection. So say we simulate this season 10,000 times. That's the projection. Now, there are certain players out there who are going to be much closer to the midpoint you know, on each of those simulations than others. DJ Moore is others. He's not going to be close to the midpoint because his ceiling is very, very high. So what I will do is the projection is the starting spot. The ranking is the end point. The projection informs where things will go. And in a lot of instances, the projection is pretty darn good, and I don't change it. <laughs> Christian McCaffrey projects out number one. I'm not changing that. But DJ Moore projects out at 20. I'm willing to move him up because of the implied ceiling. Now, again, it is a little bit volatile there. You know, there's more volatility with a player like him, but I'm willing to move him up in my rankings as a result. So to me, rankings are always better than projections. Projections, again, there's a use to them. They're averages and they can tell you, they can give you a really good baseline. But rankings are more, there's it's more of an art form to rankings when you're moving things around based on your subjective take. There's subjectivity to rankings. There is in some ways to projections as well, but I digress. DJ Moore, the better of the two options. I like Robbie Anderson, shout out Temple University. But I think that with Anderson, the, the ceiling is not as high. I think Anderson could lead this team in, in catches too, by the way. I actually project him with 83 catches, 73 for more. But I do think we're going to see a little bit more of, uh, you know, Moore has the yak ability. He can be targeted all around the field. Anderson used to be more of a downfield guy, so he could that could resurface here. But as of now, I think he'll be a little bit short, more of the intermediate guy like he was being used last year. Now, Marshall is the wild card because I don't think David Moore ultimately sticks as the number three. He may open the season as the number three, but Marshall's the wild card. Marshall has Kenny Galladay to his game. He's like Kenny Galladay and and Justin Jefferson in some ways, which is like they're not exactly the same player, but he's got that game-breaking speed like Justin Jefferson. He can play big like Kenny Galladay. Maybe he doesn't always play to his size, but Marshall, Marshall can be special. And then Marshall also has the added bonus of having played with Joe Brady, you know, under Joe Brady, not with him, under Joe Brady at LSU. They made a power move to take him. They, As the story goes, I don't know if you've heard this story, but Marshall uh, was a player who could have possibly been coveted by another team in their division, uh, the New Orleans Saints. So they took him before the Saints could. Uh, they got a little a little birdie told him that the Saints were interested in Marshall, so they grab him. Right now, here's how it projects out, though. I have more at 20. Like I said, I'm going to move him up just a tick in rankings. Robbie Anderson at 28. I think that's fair. I think he could be a wide receiver three-ish type guy. And then Marshall comes in at 73. So Marshall is, I mean, he's really much on the absolute edge of being draftable in... Redraft regular 12 team redraft leagues. 
I like him for Dynasty a lot. There's a lot of appeal there because Anderson is coming down the stretch here, and I don't think he's going to be on this team for the long haul. You know, when this contract's up, I think I think he going. I think he going right. So it's Marshall and Moore. That's a pretty interesting little combo there with those two. But Marshall may take some time to ramp up this year. I don't. He doesn't have a Justin Jefferson like impact in his rookie season. Uh, the LSU wideout this year, who's most likely to do that, plays for the Bengals, which, of course, we'll be talking about the Bengals here uh, very soon. In fact, uh, that is two episodes away from now. So the way we're – or three episodes, that is – or two, two episodes. I lie. So the way we're going to do this now is we're going to start ripping through these because I realize fantasy draft season is coming up quickly. Uh, so tomorrow on the podcast, I'm going to go right into the Chicago Bears, and then we'll just roll from there. Uh, before I get to that, though, let me just tell you that the tight end situation here is almost non-existent. As much as we might want Ian Thomas to be something, I don't think it's going to happen. The team did draft Tommy Tremble, who's more of a blocking tight end. And they brought in Dan Arnold. I mean, Dan Arnold's like sneaky, underrated, athletic, but I just don't know if there's enough juice there for fantasy purposes. He projects out number 40 among tight ends. I mean, I really think, uh, you know, when you, especially when you have a, a running back who's going to eat up over 100 targets, then you have two wideouts who go well up over 100 targets. There's not enough meat on the bone to sustain anything consistent at tight end. So. Not much there. So Sam Darnold, a deep tight end, a guy who I'm going to target in Superflex in two quarterback leagues, Christian McCaffrey, a rock star, DJ Moore, ceiling higher than the projections might suggest, and Robbie Anderson, a quality wide receiver three. We'll keep our eye on Terrace Marshall Jr. There you have it. The Carolina Panthers up next is the Chicago Bears. Uh, so we will talk about Justin Fields. Very interesting, man. David Montgomery, can he keep it up? All that fun stuff. Remember, you can follow along with me at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram, and make sure you're checking out all the other podcasts from the Sawdust Podcast Network. And don't forget, you can also check out my content over at ftnfantasy.com. All right, that's going to do it for me. I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.